0: And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO, and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
1: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, on Tell Dell Tuesday, we have an individual that fills one of the many different types of gaps I like to get out there and share with you. This is the individual, quote unquote, that, like many of you, come to Lifestyles who have done something in corporate America very successfully for very many years. And the company, you know, appreciates you to the point that they give you a job, keep paying you. But somewhere there becomes a mental disconnect between the fact that the company keeps getting richer, the guy who owns the company keeps getting richer. And you just do a little bit better, maybe raise, maybe not, uh, over a period of time. You never really get anywhere. And somewhere along the line, in every one of us that have been in that scenario, this little burn in your gut starts to occur. And you go, you look up and you see what these guys are making, but you know that you are facilitating uh, some very large portion of that that's happening for them. And if you have any entrepreneurial spirit at all, it's digging away at your stomach saying, I got to get out there and do it myself. And this is one of those individuals that did that, fits that model, and has been around since 2017 doing it. And I'm really happy to have him here for multiple times he's been on the show, Mr. Robert Tinning. Robert, welcome to the show.
2: Dale, always great to be back. Thanks for having me on.
1: How many times have you been on now, Robert?
2: Uh, four or five, I believe.
1: Wow. Aren't you getting tired of coming on?
2: You know what? I love sharing the story and hopefully getting some other people off of uh, the fence. So, no, I, I enjoy
1: it. Well, you've got that that perfect corporate America story, even to one degree more. I mean, uh, the John Ridgeway story was the first one I broke where somebody was an executive vice president of the second largest real estate company, property management company in the country, and he came in finally, but it took me five years to beat him into coming in. Uh, let's hear your story. I mean, go ahead and tell them what you did and how closely it was resembling what you do now, uh, but for far greater gains. Go ahead and share the yeah. story.
2: And I always have to give uh, John Ridgway credit because he's the one that, that, that for me, kept trying probably closer to 10 years to get me to do it. But, you know, I worked my way up the corporate ladder, graduated from school, and just worked hard, put my nose down, got up to running large property management companies, up to 26,000 units, and Thought I was all that, and I was president of all the apartment associations, National Apartment Association, Board of Directors. I mean, it was just like, I, I'm something. But then I kept seeing, or well, I thought I was something, and then I kept seeing uh, kind of what you said. Uh, the owner's making tons of money, um, and at some point, like a law firm, they're going to make me a partner. And I hung on to that forever. Being a slow learner, it took me a long time to realize that doesn't happen in our industry. Um And, you know, you'd work really hard. You'd work really great and and make the company a ton of money, and they'd sell your portfolio and say, gosh, Robert, you did a great job for us. We appreciate you, but uh, we don't have a position anymore because now we're just going to be on the coast. So thanks so much. So then you're out of work until you find your next job. You're burning through your savings, and then you reboot, and you start over and say, this time will be different. Well, you know, you keep going through that cycle enough times, and you have your own rangeway and your ear going what are you going to live on when you retire? And you're like, well, you're 401K. And he goes, yeah, that's really doing well for you, isn't it? And anyway, I'm a slow learner, and I finally am But, okay, i got to check this out, and I just wish I'd done it, like everybody says, years before.
1: So you've got all this knowledge. You know everything there is to know about how to manage properties. Didn't own one yet. When you came to the two-day and you saw people that had, let's say, half of, the operational knowledge that you have, um, teaching how to become an entrepreneur in the same business you're in, what was the point where you said, wow, I get it? What 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 took you across the line? And by the way, was it insulting that people that had half your knowledge were teaching?
2: No, not at all. I was really impressed with uh, Lifestyle's level of education um, that they offer for everybody. And then how the, the the analogy I use is like you wouldn't see a guy from Ford sitting down and talking with a guy from g m and sharing gosh, what do you do when this happens? Well, in lifestyles, you have that with all the other investors and all the other leads that share you can bounce ideas off of. It's just a really great nurturing environment where you make great friends but I'll be honest, I was still reluctant because I'm so hardwired into that w two America thinking that I didn't have that entrepreneurial spirit in the sense that it just scared me to death to make that plunge and leave my high-paying corporate job and think, gosh, what if this doesn't work? I and mean, so I was always scared to do it, even with seeing John Ridgway and so many other people be successful. But, you know, I finally took the plunge, joined. We bought a 120-unit deal right out of the bat um, and managed it ourselves. And it's just been amazing ever since.
1: What finally kicked you over? I mean, John beat on you for 10 years. I remember him telling me I'm working on this guy. What was it that finally got you um, in the two day? In other words, you come in. I mean, everybody goes to something like this. I do everything I go to. You go in a little skeptical, right? You know, even if you got a referral to it, you go a little skeptical. OK, this kind of seems like a cult kind of thing. Uh Tell me now what changed in your mind during that two day that said, "Okay, yeah, this is this get, I get it, this works."
2: Um, one was because I tried to do it on my own before. Um, you know, I was a chairman for the National Department Association and raised millions of dollars. I'm like, "Oh, I can do this." Well, quickly I learned that my, even my family, much less my friends, would see me walking in a room and would turn away. And like, "Oh crud, Robert's going for me again." So that didn't work very well. And I didn't understand leverage. You know, I'm thinking, well, I can maybe buy a two-plex, I can buy a four-plex. But I went to the two-day, and um, all the leverage was explained, and really just what I call the secret sauce was finally uh, explained to me. And after 30-plus years in running property management, I could always see that tier above me, the owners, making tons of money. That started off middle class like me. But then they made tons of money. I'm like, okay, there's a secret sauce, and I like I could never figure it out or understand the leverage, lifestyles, in the two day explained it to me, and it's like light bulb moment. Finally, I went, like, I can't believe I didn't see this before. So that for me was the moment where I'm like, why why am I not doing this for myself?
1: Yeah, I tell you a funny story, Robert. Since you've been on so many times, <laughs> we, we'll throw a little spice into this thing. I went to the Houston Apartment Association because I thought, after I was teaching people about apartments for so long, I should probably know all the stuff that the people learn at the Apartment Association, and/or get involved deeply with the people who actually do this for a living. And I went to their classes, and they asked me to leave because, just like you said, I was in—I was in—a class being taught by an employee, filled with employees, and I was talking about getting rich. I was talking about the secret sauce and they did not like that at all. The right hand does not want the left hand to know what's going on. And can you explain just briefly to the best of your ability where that line is? I mean, you guys, my wife is out of the industry. Okay. So, I mean, she sees this whole thing completely differently than I do. She is deep into budgets and details and this and that and, you know, the war, but she has a very difficult time grasping the big picture. Can you share with it what did they not tell you that you fought for NOI or you didn't fight for NOI, but they never told you what NOI really meant to the value of the asset? Where, where's the break-off there?
2: Yeah, I think the the last part is it is that I didn't really understand impact. Um, I mean, I had a portfolio of early in my career back in the I guess late eighties early nineties where we increased on the seven or nine properties. We increased the NOI on every property over thirty percent a year, three years in a row.
1: Depending on where the cap rates fell during that time, which way back then they didn't move as much as they've moved recently, you made them 100 200%, 300% returns, Robert. Did you realize that?
2: No. And I got, uh, I mean, I knew I was doing well, and I got a letter from the owner saying, um, this was like during the 88 era, right after 86 tax reform, or what we called tax reform, which crashed real estate. But I got a letter from the owner saying, you're the only... Region only portfolio in the country or a company that's making money right now. Thank you so much. Um, Keep up the good work. That's what I got. (laughs) And I kept kept that letter for like 20 years. And actually, you know, when we moved about three years ago, I came across that letter. I'm like, why am I holding on to this? Um, But that was like a prized possession. I mean, that's how naive I was about the power of real estate.
1: It's a good one. I call that the attaboy letter. (laughs) Exactly. Attaboy, Robert. (laughs) That's right. Oh, that's great. So now I'm gonna ask you the tough question, okay? Because I've been through it and I'm sure most all of us have been through it, but I've I've had the benefit, Robert, of being out here watching, you know, fifty thousand clients over thirty three years try to figure this out. You come out of that scenario where you didn't you now realize they weren't telling you everything, and you get to the other side of that and now you're the owner. Here's where it gets tough. Got to be careful, especially since you may have people listening. Um, I've seen owners go ahead and try to tell their their employees how beneficial it is and get them excited about what that NOI change will do. And they figure if they educate them and make them smart, and the left hand does know what the right hand's doing, uh, that that was they thought that was the way to go. In fact, some of them even tried to say, "I'll make you a partner in the deal." And in every situation like that, I've seen that that massively failed. Because either the good people run off and do it themselves, <laughs> or the bad people go, "I want higher pay," because I now realize how much money I'm making. You, how do you deal with that? That's a
2: struggle because we've tried it both ways, and uh, you just you have to find the right kind of person. Um, and I would not have been the right kind of person for years. And what I mean by that is, is that they have to have that entrepreneurial spirit where they get it. Um, I would say the vast majority, 9% plus of Americans, if not higher, are trained so hard into that W-2 thinking that I need my next paycheck. I can't I'd, – I'd rather, like you said, be paid more money than the promise of oh, maybe. You know, Maybe I'll get uh, profit sharing in the future. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, so it's really hard to find that person. So we've just tried to focus on – like we just sold a 360-unit property last week. We pay really, really nice, and I mean really nice, stay bonuses, that if you stay through the day of the sale, you're going to get paid more than you've ever envisioned. That really breeds loyalty um, to our company, and we have people that want to really stay with us, and even if we lose, um, don't have a property for them at the time, they're wanting to come back later. So, I mean, I've, that's been our life lesson that we've learned out of it.
1: Yeah, that's good. I've always used those, uh, so that's, that is a, a really good tool. And uh, that is hats off to you. If people like working for you. They'll come back, when, especially if you have to put them out on the street for a while. Um, that's really good. I think that my my perception of it is that there are people that make perfect employees. They will give you, you know, 100 110% on the job, but they just want to go home at night. They can't balance their checkbook and they know it and they don't care. Uh, You know, they're broke. They live paycheck to paycheck and they don't care. Uh, Their life is a shambles. They're not organized at all. But man, when they come to work, it's almost like that's their defining point of their life. It's their their grace. You know, it's where God has put it in them that they are going to come to work and be proud of what they do. And there are what I call employees. They're just basically employee-minded people. Do you agree or not?
2: Yeah, and this is going to probably, in this day and age, sound extremely sexist, and if it is, I apologize, but I know so many men value their self-worth on their job, and if you lose your job, it's like suddenly I'm worthless. I mean, we put so much weight into our our career. Um, what position do I have? Do I have my job? Does my boss like me? And that's probably true for women as well, just speaking from personal experience, that I know men have been very much that way, where we just tire and anchor ourselves to our career, and like that's what's important. Um, you know, I've got to provide, I've got to look good to my buddies, and I mean, just you put so much into that that yeah, you, you're you want to be a good employee.
1: You know, it's interesting that you bring it up that way because you, and John, ended up being um, executive vice president of large companies or vice president-large, I don't know which one it was. But the bottom line is that that was a pretty male-dominant position at that time. I don't think it is now as much, but it was then. But the rest of the industry, everybody from you down, is a female-dominated industry. Would you agree?
2: Yeah, I would. and it's been good to see, honestly, the diversity in the higher ranks that's been happening over, I'd say, the last 10 years
1: yeah I've watched it. I mean, I remember when I first started there was all the presidents as all the presidents of all the apartment associations were male. and now I think the last three or four in a row they've been female like, let's say at least 50 percent of them' have been female. And it's really changed that way. Yeah um, I know this that the females that work for me um, bring to the table a balance. In life, that's different than the males bring to me. And if they're, you know, they're out there saying there's no difference between sexes, maybe we're wrong. I, I'm willing to not be right. But what I see is these people can multitask, and they have to. Many, especially single mothers. I mean, they learn to multitask, and it blows my mind what my wife can do. She can do like eight things at the same time, and she's mad at me because I'm still working on one. I was like, just leave me alone. Let me get this one done. <laughs> I'll go over here and do number two. So all right, we're gonna take a short break. Be right back with Robert Tinning and the Dell Wamsey Radio Show.
0: To creating the lifestyle you really want. Keep listening. The Del Wansley Radio Show returns in moments.
1: I was at a seminar one time and a guy was sitting up there and he was saying, what you really need is you need the young, aggressive entrepreneur people to go out there and take that money and invest it with them. I walked up to the front of the stage and I said, hey, I'm that guy you're talking about that should be mentoring these people on how to do this. The guy goes, sir, we don't allow solicitation. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm here to tell you I'm exactly the guy you were telling them to look for. And I'm willing to help them for nothing. And the guy goes, if you don't stop soliciting, I'm going to have to have security come and get you. And I said, I can see you're a scam. I'll just leave. Everything I said had gone through the intercom. So I walked out of the seminar room, and 200 people followed me, and that's how Lifestyles are started. Are you ready to get up and follow Dell? Join us today at LifestylesUnlimitedWorkshop.com.
0: You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at LifestylesUnlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to
1: Dell Wombsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. And with me here today on Tell Dell Tuesday is Robert Tinning. And Robert has been in the business professionally for 35 years in corporate America, then six more years as an entrepreneur. And has done very well for himself. He's now in about six deals, 1,500 units. But he also is a KP, signed on other people's deals. And I'm sure he gets paid on that also. And that's another 1,300 units. So, Robert, I'm, since you've been here so many times, I ask you the tough questions. You know, you're beyond the the easy stuff. So the next question I have for you is, okay, you've got 1,500 units under your belt. you got 1,300 more that you're signed for, so you're getting something off of that. Most units I ever owned, I think, are twelve or 1300 somewhere in there. I think maybe 1200 I can't remember exactly. But at the time, I knew I was doing very, very well. I had no real need for more money. Yet, in that same vein, as I sold my properties off because I uh, wanted to get out of syndication, wanted to own my own stuff by myself, I, I've always come back to this question for the guys that have been around and became very, very successful. And that is, how much is enough? And when do you get out of it and how do you live your life right now? Now I tell you I looked up your Facebook, I do everybody, and um I see that all your pictures are about fun and family and doing things. Nothing on there is about I'm selling my my next deal or look, I fixed the toilet or I you know. A lot of guys just can't get out of this, Robert. They they live their life in the business and not on the business. Um I see that your Facebook indicates you don't live in the business so much on a day-to-day basis that you have a life, and that's all good. The question coming out of all this is, how do you see it? How is your life now that you've become that entrepreneur, you're successful, and yet why do we keep buying more deals? Because the, the one thing I have to disclose to you is I'm in the middle of negotiating two apartments right now myself, so... I'm not picking on you, I'm just saying, you know, why do you do another one and another one and another one? When we
2: started out in Lifestyles, I thought, well, because I've always worked for these large companies, I'm like, well, I want to be, have a name on a list, I want to have 5,000 units or something, and then, as you said, you realize you get to a certain much smaller point, 1,200 units or whatever, and you're like, I really don't need a whole lot more than this, Um, I could do more if I wanted to, but we sold uh five of our six deals last year right before the crash and we just sold well four of them and we sold one last week and every single one would be pro forma and then as you say i mean i've got a deal that i'm signing a psa on today because you can always make money on real estate and we're in a good time right now where there's people that are having to sell for various reasons with the interest rates going up so found a really good deal but you know i've gone from the nine to five, driving in dallas for Worth traffic every single day, um, wondering if I'm gonna have a job in a year, the reasons we've talked about. To now, I mean, we moved about 45 minutes outside of town, have 17 acres. I take pictures every day of the sunrise and the sunset because I'm just amazed. I've taken up painting, which I've never been an artistic person, but my life is just like totally changed and it's totally relaxed. And I jokingly call myself Farmer Bob now. Um, kind of living the semi-country life, but couldn't have done any of this before I jumped over to become an entrepreneur through Lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that's what your pictures look like, Robert. So it's uh, I testify that that's the way you're living. Um, so, again, as we get to this point, is there anything you can shed on the light of this? A lot of people take the workaholic mentality with them from corporate America and get out here and we give them the secret sauce and then they get stuck on making the secret sauce, the same rat race that they were when they were in corporate America. Can you share at what point along the way that you go, you just let the, that's that's
2: an interesting and great question because when I joined because of my property management experience, I thought, I don't know anybody. I don't trust other people. I've worked with third-party management companies, and there's more bad ones than good ones, just to be honest. So I thought, I don't trust anybody. I'm going to do it myself. I mean, if I did a third-party management, I'd drive them crazy anyway, because I've always have my hands in the Kool-Aid going, what's this, why is that? So <clears throat> immediately we bought a 120-unit deal. I thought, it was going to get really big. But then <clears throat> when we sold a lot of our properties last year, and I thought, oh, I've got this giant capital gain staring me down. I've got to buy something. Well, last year was not the time to be buying properties. I mean, I've underwritten probably 80 deals before finding this deal, and none of them made sense. So I'm not going to buy a deal just to buy a deal. So the result of that was I've learned the lifestyles of other leads that I really admire, and I invested in their deals. So I ended up becoming KP ensemble, but passive investor. And that wasn't my plan a year and a half ago. But suddenly I went, you know, this is kind of nice. I get still get the check, and I have none of the responsibilities. <laughs> so I've shifted <laughs> a little bit from uh, that go, go, go you're talking about to this passive thing is kind of cool.
1: No doubt. No doubt. I, I totally understand that. I'm not going to go into why I understand that so well. But I get the pay, you know, I, I, I deposit. Just to give you an example, I deposited checks yesterday. Uh, a hundred and some thousand dollars. It just in the mail. I get open the mailbox. Boom, there they are. I did nothing for them. Literally That's nothing. Great. And uh, so I get that. But at the same token, why are you out there buying two more Dell? Because at one point, when the income becomes so large you need more depreciation to write off against it so that you don't pay taxes on that income. And you can say, hey, I don't care, I'm past that, who cares about paying taxes? You know, give me another million, I'll give you another 400000 right? I don't care. Just give me the million so I can make the six hundred after taxes. But to me, uh, I've always been, okay, I, I get that, I'll be willing to pay the 400000 but if I could go buy something else and it will cover and get rid of that 400000 I don't have to pay taxes on, that's four hundred grand more in my pocket that builds towards the next deal and the, the giant wealth snowball that somebody co- claims it to
2: be. Yeah, a, And on top yeah. of that, um, we kind of have a passion for changing people's lives by upgrading their housing, um, You know, just because someone is struggling doesn't mean they deserve to live in a bad environment. So we take a lot of pride in that. So that's part of my ongoing kind of mission is that I want to buy another property because we feel like we're making a difference. And so it's a little bit of a mission as well as I'd rather do that than send a $400,000 check to the government that will go who knows where.
1: Absolutely, man. Boy, I understand that. That's that's what lifestyles is to me. That's why we just keep growing state after state after state after state after state real estate companies now in about 10 states. So let's uh, answer this question for people to listen because you got so much knowledge of this inside knowledge. You said earlier that you thought that there's a lot of uh, ineffective management companies out there. How do you Find a good management company and interact with them and what is the appropriate interaction? What are they supposed to do for you and how much of that are you supposed to watch?
2: And last we call the lead investor, the syndicator, the general partner, um, should be watching everything very closely, you know, not just letting loose of the reins and trusting the, the management company. Cause and I'm gonna make a very broad statement, most fee management companies are more interested in their fees. Um, getting new business, new clients, and even if they're the best management company in the world, you're only as good as that regional manager they put over your portfolio. So if they've got a client out there that has 3,000 units, and you're over here with an 80-unit deal, who do you think is going to get the better regional manager? So that those are the dynamics you're working with, so you as an owner need to be watching, asking questions. But the balance is, is you need to not be so involved in their Kool-Aid that you're not letting them do their job, right? So I think that's the hardest part of finding the balance. For me, I knew that if I even turned it over to some of the finance companies I trust, I would be so immersed in it, I know enough to be dangerous. I'd be asking questions, driving them crazy. Well, why are you doing this? Why how did you push rents on this floor plan? Um, why are the addictions are not going like they should be? So it's like I should just be doing this myself, but it's it's a it's really hard to find a good fee manager
1: in addition to all that let's add this little twist to it and that is i think that operating smaller properties is different than operating larger properties and that when i take over properties that my specialty is you know 150 to 200 unit type things uh, actually earlier was much smaller than that, but now it's 150-200 units, because that's all I can buy, because I'm buying them as an independent owner. So, I mean, you're talking about 40 50000000 bucks out of my pocket, myself. So, I'm, I've got these small properties, and one of the things I see is that these guys get these small properties into these management companies, and they load them up with the overhead of the management company. There are fees for everything. And there's the employees, there's extra employees, and then there's employee bonus plans, and then there's health insurance, and then I think you understand what I'm saying. They are overloaded with overhead in every way, shape, and form, and I take it just strip that away, and boom, all of a sudden, I have a different level of profit.
2: We always called that uh, pass-throughs, corporate Uh
1: pass-throughs,
2: which was a nice way of Saying we're charging you for stuff that really should possibly be
0: corporate
1: expenses, but we'll let you pay it until you say no. Yeah, <laughs> until you say no. That's great because I don't think most people, especially a beginner, has the ability to go to somebody that's got the experience and say no. That's not that's not what we're going to do. And they say, well, that's just standard industry standard. You just that's what everybody does, right? right. So. That's the hard part right there. And so that's why we teach people to operate them themselves first so you understand what can and can't be done. You need to know what
2: you're doing. Um, you can't just be trusting others. I mean, we're still raising rents on our deals, even though the property down the street is offering six weeks or two months free. Um, you know, operations is critical during these times. Honestly, in the last six years or so, anybody could look good. But when you're in these down cycles, operations is critical.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Robert, it's really been a pleasure to have you on again. It always is. And uh, if you're out there doing new deals, uh, success, hope you wish you great success and that you can grab some of these these opportunities that are occurring now that uh, the market is changing. For the rest of you out there, remember this. For Robert, myself, and everybody else in this world, it really should be. Not the money, but the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you in the future.